So friends, uh, well, first of all, did you meet anyone new this morning? Find out who lives near you? It's kind of fun. And the coffee? Awesome. Thank you, coffee team. Um, So do you know that game, like I say a word and then you say the first thing that comes to mind? You want to play it? Come on, Robert. Robert was like, not really. (laughs) Okay, you ready? So I'm going to say some words and just the first thing that comes. And and I want you to be honest. It's no judgment. Because if we can't be honest about it, I got no sermon to preach. <laughs> okay, are we all in? Are you ready, Emily? Okay. Here we go. First thing that comes to mind, spiritual warfare. Oh, that was a lot of response. I liked it. One at a time. <laughs> Satan, spiritual warfare. Demons, word of God. Heaviness. Armor. Battle, oppression, victory, sword of the spirit. Okay, husband, it's time to be honest. No, thank you. Anyone else? I'm out. Fight, spiritual warfare. My defenses go up and I'm out. Anyone else feel that way? Thank you, babe. I love your honesty today. Demonic forces. So, guys... How real do you think spiritual warfare is? Very real, very real, said the serious section. (laughs) Very real. I'm going to be honest, I've been um, to a lot of parts of the world. I've done quite a lot of travel. And there are areas of the world where you literally feel darkness and oppression. Um, Typically areas where there's a lot of like occult and satanic worship, it's like thick. You can actually feel it. And I, I'm going to be honest, I don't really feel it much in the area that we live. And so uh, I'm not always engaged. Anyone else? Like, I'm not always engaged. Um, so I uh, completed citizenship paperwork many months ago, and now I wait. And anyone else that's done that understands that it's can be many, many, many months turns into years until you get a response. So, um, but actually the application process took me a while because it's very extensive. Anyone, any other immigrants in the room where you filled out the citizenship papers? Okay, I'm gonna see a few. So it's a lot of paperwork. You have to list any group you've ever been involved with. Now, it's part of their, I think it's part of a section that dates back where they were trying to work out whether you were affiliated with communism ever. Like, you know, think back in the history of this country, right? But I had to list things. I was like, well, when I was, because I studied public relations and marketing in college. So I was like, well, I was part of the Public Relations Association of Australia at some point. Like, I was a card-carrying member, so I got to write that one down. Like, it was... I don't know. And then you have to list like everywhere that you've lived. And I'm like, man, I've lived a lot of places. I had to call my mom. I was like, what year did we live at that one weird house? And she's like, I don't remember. But it was a lot of research and a lot of background. It took me a really long time. But there was a section that should have been easy for me to fill out, and it took me even longer. Three checkboxes. One of them was, if the law requires it, are you willing to bear arms on behalf of the United States? 
And I was like, if I don't check this box, I can't be a citizen. But I do not want to check this box. I don't want to bear arms for whatever country. <laughs> I just don't want to. Now, my husband grew up in a hunting family, and you know they would eat elk and deer based on what they hunted for the year. And I think that's great. He's really comfortable around guns. That's cool. I'm not. I'm from a country that doesn't really have um, guns for everyone. Um, that's a whole other topic. We're not going down that path today. Rain it back in. Um, but I'm just not comfortable. Now, if a war was coming down my street and my babies were affected, then you could probably hand me a gun, and I've watched enough TV, I could probably work out how to use it. But, I mean, I don't want to... You know what I'm saying? And I think this speaks to us really um, powerfully for our spiritual lives. Am I willing to battle for the kingdom of God? Or does it have to literally be on my front doorstep, affecting my babies, before I drag out my, my armor of God, dust it off and put it on? Do you know what I'm saying? How real is this in my life? Now, I want to say that there are some very brave people that have served in the military, that are serving in the military right now, and they are braver and more amazing than me. So I am not saying that what I'm feeling is good, okay? It's just what I'm feeling. The second thing is I understand this is a place of privilege that I'm speaking from, that I can actually say I don't want to bear arms because there isn't a war in my front yard. And there are nations across the world, there are suburbs in this country where nobody has a choice, right? Because there is violence in their lives. So I understand that I'm speaking from this <laughs> like privileged place. But it's a challenge to me. So when our kids, um, <laughs> I don't know if this is gonna work out, hey! Um, so when our kids um, don't wanna do something and they put on that pouty, whiny, Thing. Apparently, we need boot camp at Batemans. But um, so when they're like, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, and, I, and Josh and I have this phrase that we say to them Am I trying to make your life good or bad? Which one? We have a lot of history. We've talked about this a lot. And they'll go like this Good. You know, they're not super excited in the moment. Um, and I say, Okay, so therefore, you have to trust that what I'm asking you to do is for your good. It's to bring you life and freedom and to strengthen you for your future. This is not about today, this is about life. We're raising you with a vision so you can be a strong, um, whole, functioning human, right? You've heard me talk about this before. God has said to us, clearly in his word, that spiritual battle is real and that we should put on the whole armor of God, not just when we feel threatened, but all the time. And I think spiritual warfare has gotten a bad rap for um, some reasons. I think when people live that we, we are, we are gonna spirit, we're going to do spiritual warfare when things get heated or when attack comes, there's a lot of emotions involved in that and it can end up being weird. Right? 
because we haven't had it be normal in our everyday lives. True? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because we're being passive in it, or it's not actually balanced and normal. And if, if this is good for us and our God is good, then we should be saying yes to him. Truth? Um, I'm now afraid to move this, but it's like a, a nervous tick that I have. That Have you noticed? I come over and adjust. This gives me time to think. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Trusty. But every time I lift it up, it's going to be like a circus. So, yeah. So we're praying for our service right now. Tim Coffin. This week I remembered. I feel like I should get like a... <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. I really love Tim and Faye. I, I'm going to do a Kurt moment because we miss him, right? Do a little. Um, I really appreciate, Tim and Faye, that you have come and brought your whole hearts to serve the body and what you guys do behind the scenes and, and in front of the scenes with people's lives. It's just really awesome to watch, though. Thank you, Tim. Pray for the church. Lift up another church. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this morning and uh, just... We come to you with a heart of gratitude, and I'm excited to be able to hear what you have to say today, and just be with us, and let us leave here changed, and renewed, and uh, uh, just with something to take throughout the week, not just today, but to be able to take throughout the week and to put into practice. Um, I do pray for uh, Calvary Chapel over in Wenatchee. I was over there yesterday, and just kind of saw it, and it was in my heart, and I just know that you were moving there. And I just pray and hope that you continue to move there and just be with them. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Kevin, for my new music stand. All right, guys. So we are um, in our Names of God series. And today's name is mentioned in the Old Testament over 285 times. I don't know why the commentaries say over 285 times. Like 286, 300, it's just a little weird, but that's what it says, over 285 times, so for what it's worth. Um, uh, I think it's because um, this word that we're, we're learning about today has some different forms. So um, it can mean a few things, and so are you ready to dive in? You excited? Ready? Okay, stay with me. Promise? Pinky swear. I have children. Okay. Look who's here. Mountain shaper, wind maker. He laid out the whole plot before Adam. He brings everything out of nothing, like dawn out of darkness. He strides across the alpine ridges. His, na his name is Yahweh Sabaoth, God of the angel armies. Yahweh Sabaoth, it's also Yahweh Saba, God of warfare, God of armies, God of angel armies, God of the army of Israel. There's this thing about him that he is a warrior battle God. Do you get that sense? You love this description of him? It's like mighty. So I have a speed bump though. Why does God need angel armies? What are they for? 
Is it to protect him? Does God need bodyguards? No. It's weird, right? Are they like backup dancers? You know, like a choir? No, angel army. Angel armies. Hosts and hosts and hosts and hosts. Jesus actually says this um, in one of his moments where he's being challenged. He goes, I could call out to God and, and, and dozens of troops of angel armies could be here to help me. It's, it's definitely, like it's at his dispense, it's at his command, right? But I don't know, is God weak? Is he defensive against the enemy? Are there like layers of angels to protect heaven from Satan? You, no, right? It's weird. Anyone else feeling that this is a little weird? It's a little odd. Angel armies. What's going on, God? So this is what I do when I find a speed bump in scripture. I ask him about it because I want to learn, right? Um, and if it's in the word, he wants to talk to us about it. So I asked him, why, why do you have angel armies? Why are you a god of war? You know, in the blink of an eye, he could obliterate Satan and all of the dark forces. He could, but he doesn't. So I have this question of what is going on? And this is what I felt him say to me. Because I am for you. And I saw this picture of me on a battlefield with my armor, Viking style, not like silver armor style, right? You got the picture in the head? Viking style. The sun is on my face, my face is painted with war paint, and I'm smiling. And this feeling in my heart is, today's a good day for a battle. And God's on the sidelines, and he's cheering me on. And he's equipping me and resourcing me and he's calling out strategy. And I'm like doing it. I'm just this warrior on the field. And, and I don't have a good description, so bear with me, but what I feel like the closest thing on earth we could connect this to is like a soccer dad. Okay? He's not into soccer, but his kid's into soccer. And so he's there in the colors, and he's learned all the strategies, and he's helping his kid, the good kind of soccer dad. I'm not talking about the weird ones, right? And, and, you know, he's encouraging, you know, and he's sending resources, and he's all about it. And he's so proud, and he's so excited. And that little kid running on the field, it's their best day. And they kick a goal, and everyone's like, what? It's amazing. That's us and God. We are warriors, and he has angel armies, not because he's scared and we're worried and Satan's crazy bad and we should be freaked out. It's not that at all. It's that we were made to battle. We were made to be victorious. We were meant to walk out into life like, yes, today's a good day to battle. You know, there's something inside of us that is called to a place of victory. And that's why he has angel armies. The word says that, that there are ministering angels that bring salvation to us. They're ministering angels for our benefit. And they're at our disposal. You guys, uh, 
It's always awkward to talk about television shows. And so the caveat is, and I'm serious now, Josh and I fast forward things. So I just want, you guys know, anyone that's been in our youth group knows that this is what we do. So I'm going to talk about a show right now, and I'm not advocating that you watch it without the ability to fast forward sections. Just going to put that out there. You with me? Okay. Uh, History Channel Vikings. It's on, it's on Netflix, sister. Um, it's a cool show, and he, here's what I love about it. It's just given me this, like, taste of this warrior culture, okay? So our middle son, Eli, he's eight. He's been doing, um, in his history class, a unit on Vikings, and he was so into it. He does not watch the show with us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not that kind of, it's not a family show. Um, and, you know, it's warriors, guys, so... Just be careful how you watch it. Um, and so uh, he's talking about all the Viking stuff, and he's so into it. And so I just said, hey, do you know what? Do you know that Daddy's great-grandma was a first-generation immigrant from Norway? You're part Viking. And he's like, what? I'm part Viking! And he was, like, so excited, and his eyes were like, and you could see his head like thinking about it. Like that means, that means like I'm mighty, that means like, and he was like, it was, it was the coolest moment. I was like, dude, so into it. And he will tell you, anyone else already heard this about from him? I'm part Viking, my dad, I'm part Viking. And actually it's on both sides of your family. Your great, great grandfather was a first gen immigrant and your great grandma. So we've got like Viking, mixed with my convict blood, we're, we're, we're good, we're good. <laughs> It just was cool to watch my kids' eyes sparkle with the joy of this identity. And I watched him and I thought, yeah, my soul sparkles with that same thing. I'm warrior. I have, a, I have warrior blood. Like, it's a part of who I am. You know, Vikings are fierce. They... Um, they're not a defensive people. They're not building a kingdom that then they're protecting. It's not like that. Um, they are um, conquering, offensive-driven, like heading out, taking over the world. And from a very young age, their kids are given um, swords and shields, and play fighting is that. And it's men and women alike. You know, they're all side by side, and they're ferocious. Um, they, were, they were, like, feared. And actually, I, I really like the history part of this, the Vikings show on History Channel. It's really interesting to watch the, the, um, the British kingdoms with their defensive systems because they're all about defending themselves, and the Vikings that are just, like, getting off a boat and slaughtering everyone and then owning the place. Like, it's just this amazing, amazing culture. And... Um, They say this stuff to each other. Like when they're getting ready for battle and they start hitting their, their armor and, and they're getting like, you know, today's a great day for a battle. And, and what they say is, I'll see you today in Valhalla. They actually want to die because they're excited about eternity. It's this fascinating thing. Actually, interestingly enough, that um, Vikings accepted Christianity and started worshiping Jesus. And a lot of um, the Viking spread also saw the, the spread of Christianity. It's very interesting. So I, I'm, not, I'm probably butchering it. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. But if you're a history buff, dive into it. It's really, really interesting. Because that passion, it was misplaced worshipping their gods, right? But I see something in their culture where I'm like, yeah, I don't like the idea that our version of warrior, our, you know, our British ancestry worship or, or, or version of warrior was defensive. We'll only fight if we have to. Whereas the Vikings is, we fight every day. We love it. We fight because we want to. We fight because we're overcomers. We fight because we're victorious. It's just a different, do you feel the difference in that? What if you are a victorious warrior in Christ, but you're living a passive, defense-only existence? It's ho-hum. It's not the fullness of what God's called you to. Now, I'm not talking about personality, because I understand that there are some people who are more like adrenaline, energetic, go get them type people. I'm not talking about living life a certain way. I'm talking about approaching your spiritual walk actively instead of passively. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's going to look different in each of us, but there's something about that identity core piece. Okay, you with me? So we are going to work out what's holding us back from walking in this identity that God has for us. Good? Okay, we're going to join young David on the battlefield as he faces Goliath. It's a fantastic story. I've, I've cut it down into small chunks, and so it's not the whole thing. If you haven't read it in a while or you only first heard it in Sunday school and have, you've never read it, I highly recommend pull it out and let the Lord speak to you. So we're just touching on a few things today. Goliath, he's nine foot tall, his thighs are the size of cars. I mean, this, he, I mean he's, do you know what I'm saying? Big guy. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. So the Israelite army is set up, the Philistine army is set up, and there's a little valley in between them. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Some good, some good smack talk right there. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. They were just terrified. I mean, they might be able to take him on all of them together against the one dude. <laughs> but one-on-one -on -one with this guy? There's no winning. Do you feel that? There's no winning. The speed bump for me there is, am I allowing fear to determine whether I'm engaged in battle or not? I think we have a false belief that peace is opposite to war, that peace is opposite to strife, that peace is opposite to conflict. I think if we hold that in our hearts, as a, it's a false belief, it's not true, but if we hold this belief that peace can only be had away from conflict, then we're gonna run from everything. And you're not a warrior. 
You're a weenie. You're running away from stuff. Now, the word is really clear about peace, right? It's not as the world gives. I'm leaving you peace. It's not like everything else that you've seen about peace, right? There's lots of verses we could look at. Here's one. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in Yahweh forever, for Yahweh is an everlasting rock. It's not circumstantial. You don't have peace because life is full of peace. You have peace because your mind is stayed on him, because he is your rock. In fact, can I say it? Could it be that peace is only found in the midst of war? The peace that passes understanding. So everyone else is going, I don't get it. How do you have peace? That's what passes understanding. Do you understand that verse? That peace that passes understanding. Everyone else is going, you should be freaking out. Can you freak out a little bit? And you're like, I'm good. That's because you're surrounded with not peace. In the middle of it, you have peace. It seems to me that this quest that we have for peace can actually be only obtained when we're warriors in the middle of battle. So if fear is something that drives your decisions, you guys, confession, I'm driven by fear. Now, I would tell you it's wisdom. I look into situations and I calculate what could go wrong. I'm very good at that, it's like a gift. And then I steer my children and I steer my life and I steer my people away from things that could hurt them. And then I'm avoiding the very place that God could be taking me. So we can't let fear determine our battles, true? Are you avoiding opportunities God is giving you just because you're afraid? It's worth thinking about, right? Okay, so we're back on the field with uh, the Israel army. David is a young guy. He's been tending his father's flocks of sheep and goats. And his dad says, here, take some cheese and some bread to your brothers and spy on them. I just want to know what's going on. But take the food. Pretend like it's about food. But please bring back a report because I want to know how it's going. So David left his flock in someone else's care, and he goes off, and he, he gets to the battle, and he's literally walking in with the food, and everyone's like freaking out. And it says he leaves his stuff with someone. <laughs> Such a great story. Go and read it. He leaves his stuff with someone, and he walks right out there with everyone. He's like, what's going on? What's going on? And he hears this whole thing, and his brothers are like, what are you doing here? You're a kid. You should not be here. This is not okay. And all of this stuff, right? And Goliath is taunting them once again. And David says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told King Saul. I'll go fight him. So good. <laughs> don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. These are truths. Right? They're truths. Because Saul has something to lose. If David goes out and fights Goliath and dies, what happens to Saul? He becomes a slave. So it's really nice that David's like, let me at him, let me at him, I'll do it. But his, his whole, <laughs> if he does and he loses, it impacts everyone. Right? So Saul's like in a bit of a pickle here, but David persisted, and there's this great description of what he does to the lions and bears when they attack, like he rips their jaws and he clubs them to death, and it's, it's good. I have, and that's my little I have killed 
because we don't, we, there's a lot there, okay? I've killed lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Yahweh, who rescued me from the claws of lions and bears, will rescue me from this Philistine. Finally, Saul consented, put his whole life in this kid's hands. All right, go ahead, he said, and may Yahweh be with you. I can just see him being like, and may Yahweh be with you. All my life is in your hands. I feel like David, like warrior is who he is, not what he does. I love that he just walks into a fight that's not his fight that he's not qualified for. He hasn't been a part of the army. He's received no training. Also, there's this whole scene where Saul's like, here, let me put my armor on you. And it's giant for him because he's a kid and he can't move in it. And he's like, I can't do this. And he takes it all off and he just, he has five stones. He goes down to a river and grabs five stones. And, you know, we all know the story. He kills Goliath, you guys. But it's not like the first time he's been in battle. It's just something inside of him that he is. Bears come, I rip him to shreds. You know, lions come, no big deal. Just, this is how you kill a lion, just rip open their mouths and club them to death with their own jaws. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just like so normal to him. You know, if we really are the kind of people that only pull out our armor of God when things get hot and we're feeling a bit scared, then we're not skilled in battle. We're not, right? If we only do it in emergencies, we are defensive, reactionary, and unskilled. Also, we're blind to the enemy's tricks. Because if we only think there's spiritual battle when it's hot and there's battle on our front doorstep, Oh, I'm feeling attacked, and my kids, ah, right? We can get like very, oh my gosh, the attack, it's so real. That's not the only time Satan's attacking you. Truth? If we wait until we're feeling it, we're already in over our heads. True? And think about the world we live in. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Barah word of God. When you speak life and it forms new living like creation, that we are called to be a part of that. And as we minister God's truth into the world, these life words, these truth words, it stops the world from entropying down away from the Lord. We're chain agents, right? We're salt, we're light, right? This is the same thing about your identity as a warrior. As you walk into your life and you engage the things that come up, you're bringing change to the world. You see it? You're very quiet. Ephesians 6. You ready? This is the Passion Translation. I really love it. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. 
Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For after you have conquered, you can stand in victory. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on righteousness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. Woo! Is that like an amazing picture of a warrior? Passive or active? This warrior active. Defensive or offensive? Offensive. Cowering or charging? Charging. Sometimes I think that when we think of spiritual warfare, it's like we're off in a corner and we're huddled and we've put the whole armor of God on (laughs) so we can like stop the fiery darts of the enemy. I hope it passes soon. (laughs) I hope he leaves me alone. If I stop like doing things for God, maybe he'll leave me alone. Like, is that really the version of, I mean, but think about it. Isn't that how we live sometimes? What we are supposed to be is today's a good day for a battle and we're walking into the enemy's territory. And as we walk in there, ready to bring people to God and show him his love as we walk in. Of course, the enemy's like, loose the arrows, of course, because we're on enemy lines, right? And But they're glancing off us, they just hit the shield. It's a different kind of warrior, right? It's a 24-7 warrior, not just in case of emergencies. It's who you are, it's not something you do. You avoid getting involved in stuff unless it's absolutely necessary. Somebody walks past your desk at work and says something, and you're like, not my business. I'm just going to get my work done. To the point that you're not able to hear the Holy Spirit go, today's a good day for a battle. Let's get in there. Back with Goliath. So Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead, sneering in contempt of the boy. I get that. Right? I mean, it's weird. After 40 days, this is who they send? Oh, I'm so glad you scoured the land for your best warrior. I can barely see him. He's so tiny. Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the God of heaven's armies, God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
be afraid, Goliath. You picked the wrong God to mess with. Today, Yahweh will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. It's not just Goliath. He's like, and all you all. (laughs) You're all bird food. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that Yahweh rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is Yahweh's battle, and he will give you to us. This third little speed bump in this passage is, I think, the most important one. Well, I can't say that. They're all really important. Do we battle with human tools? And do we battle humans? Because I think we do. Because sometimes we feel the fire of the enemy coming through a person. And then we go... I'm going to attack that person. (laughs) Or we see the world going a certain way and we start attacking things that are happening in the world. People's plans, people's ideas, human things, human constructs, human plans, and we start attacking them. And it's not the battle we're supposed to have. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. It can feel like you're in a war with humans, and we can feel like we're in a war against human plans and human constructs on this planet, can't it? It can feel that way. But you guys, it's all spiritual. Everything is spiritual. The physical realm is one reality, and our eyeballs will tell us it's the most important one. It is not the most important one. This is a temporary reality. Spiritual reality is way more important and the only battles that will be won are the ones fought spiritually. Now, I want to say, spiritual warfare has been given a bad rap because we leave it to the last minute when we're emotionally charged and we get all fired up and it can come out weird. I grew up in a church that was highly charismatic and really demonstratively like into spiritual warfare. Um, and there's a reason, actually, my hometown when I was a child had more witch covens than churches. There's a mountain there that sees the first light um, of the southern hemisphere, I think, something like that. And people like go up there to worship when I was a kid. I haven't lived there a really long time. I just want to say that. <laughs> But it was a charged environment. And so we had, when I, a small child, I, in church, regularly saw demons manifesting through people. And I just learned as a young child, my dad would say, just talk to Jesus about what you're seeing. He's, he's, the, he's the king who's battling this. Don't worry about it. But it's not, like, it's not like we created it. Literally, people would come in desperate, especially on a Sunday night. I'm picturing it. They would come in off the streets needing help. And when you pray for them, They would just start to do crazy stuff. 
And I'm so glad I had these wise pastors that would just say, in Jesus' name, be quiet. We just cast you out in the name of Jesus. No, no big circus, nothing like that. But I'm telling you, I grew up around this. It's not scary to me. It just was normal. But I think we are afraid of that. We don't like that. You know, it makes us really uneasy because our culture is not a spiritual culture. Okay, and it can freak us out. But I'm telling you guys, that stuff is real. It's really real. And whether people are manifesting demons or whether they're blinded by deception, whatever it is, this battle is real. It's not human and you can't use human tools to battle. Make sense? But what are our tools, you guys? It's the full armor of God. You might think that we need like warfare tools to fight Satan with like, you know, double-ended, magnificent cutting tools. You know what I mean? Like some kind of, my kids would be like, a, you know, a double-ended lightsaber. <laughs> like what, what is the spiritual equivalent of that? But when you look at what God's given us, the weapons of our warfare, let's talk about them. Helmet of salvation, belt of truth, breastplate of right living, right standing before the Lord. Our feet have the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our shield is faith. And the sword is the word of God. It's interesting, if we were to walk into human battles, knowing they're spiritual battles, and we walk in with the gospel of peace and the gift of salvation, we're actually rescuers. And by bringing this to the people, we are defeating the enemy. It doesn't have to be this weird, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) what are the words? Voodoo, cray cray, whatever, the stuff, all spiritual warfare. Because I think there's something about that that can really feel like hold us back. But I wanna bring this to you guys. Spiritual warfare is normal. It's all around you all the time. You can be passive and cowering and defensive if you like. I think that you won't enjoy life very much if you live that way. But when you walk around, today's a good day for a battle and the weapons of my warfare are salvation, peace, truth, right living, and the word of God. They're my tools. And wherever I walk, I take them with me. And I'm gonna bring them to people and they're gonna be set free and they're gonna meet God's love and Satan is defeated by that. Um, You know, remember that the names of God that we've been studying, we talked about this last week, God's revealing these names to us because we need to know them to be set free. Remember that? He's not just throwing names around for the fun of it. These are names that are important for you to know so you can walk in the full freedom of God. True? So, Yahweh Sabaoth, God of angel armies, wants you to know him. He wants you to understand your identity as a warrior. And he is on the sidelines cheering you on. You are not battling because he needs help. (laughs) You're not battling because he's cowering, hoping that Satan doesn't get through his defenses, right? You're battling because it's so good for you. Because when you walk into battle with the tools of God and you watch the enemy fall and you see people's lives transformed, you're like, it's amazing. Today's a good day for a battle. 
My, my Father God is there cheering me on. His angel armies are all around. The victory is sure. And when you're done, you're done battling and you're standing in the victory, it's like this. Oh, I skipped a really good part. I'm going to read this and come back. David became greater and greater for Yahweh, the God of angel armies, was with him. Not Elohim, not Yahweh, Jireh, not, I mean, all the other names. Why did David become greater and greater? Because he understood that he was a warrior and the God of angel armies was with him. He lived this. It was his identity. So I am going to go back. Is that okay? Can you travel back in time with me? This is about battling humans because I think we're stuck in this a lot. 1 Peter 3. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly, nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. Because a blessing is what God promised to give you. For the scriptures tell us, whoever wants to embrace a true life and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words and never deceive in what they say. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Eagerly pursue peace in every relationship, making it your prize. For the eyes of the Lord Yahweh rest upon the godly, for his heart responds to their prayers, and he turns his back on those who practice evil. I feel like this is our um, guide for dealing with humans. You don't have an enemy at work. You don't have an enemy in your family. You are not battling flesh and blood, okay? You don't have that in your life. That is, you're being deceived. <laughs> your battle is not against flesh and blood. Your only enemy is the slanderer, the deceiver, the enemy of your soul. And God's put you on the battlefield because you are an overcomer and you're going to see victory. But we have to get our vision on the correct battle. Okay? So today we talked about uh, fear holding us back. We talked about it being our identity, not just something we do. And uh, we talked about battling spiritually, not just humans. There's a lot more we could talk about. We could talk about spiritual warfare for weeks and weeks and weeks. But this is the basic. This is 101. You have a choice to make. Yahweh Sabaoth is inviting you, the God of angel armies, the one who, who strides across um, alpine ranges. This God is inviting you to be a warrior with him. And as you walk into this identity, you will know him. You will be set free from things. We're, we're, oh man, cower no more. Get that armor out and dust it off and every day put it on because today's a good day for a battle. Let's get out into our lives with a view of his victory. My husband works at an open office and his desk is right by a conference area. So this introvert has like many people walking by all day long. And the way he deals with it is to focus on his work. And he's really good at like giving you the look. Like, if you're interrupting him, he just looks at you and you're like, never mind. Have you noticed that about him? It's like, never mind. But as we were talking about this, he said to me, man, this really, like, stirs my heart. But I'm being passive. 
and I'm staying out of things that maybe God wants to speak to me that I should be a part of. But I haven't been active in this. And I just wonder if God put him in this traffic zone because he's a warrior called of God to bring change to people's lives. What about your life, where you're living? It could be that you're at home with a lot of kids and you're like, I don't know <laughs> how to do this because I am battling flesh and blood. Put your pants on, get your shoes on. You know what I mean? Like it feels like a battle. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. You're supposed to bring peace and truth and life and faith, right? Or maybe you're in a high-pressure job and you have to perform and you're really worried and you're really anxious and so fear is driving all of your decisions. Do you know what I mean? What is going on in your life and how can you step into this amazing, wonderful calling? We're going to close with a time of prayer. Um, I'm going to let you take communion in your own time if you'd like to. It's a great picking up his body and